abundantly above all you can ask or think. Hallelujah. Have you given it over to him? <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to ask that question again. Have you given it over to him? Do we know him? Who is the him that we're giving it over to? To Jesus, right? So now that you've already given it over to him, <laughs> go ahead and take a moment and praise God because you know that he's already worked it out. Hallelujah. Brother Tim said, while you're trying to figure it out, God has already worked it out. And some of you, you came here today with issues on your mind, burdens weighing you down, things that you can't even talk about. But as we said this morning, until you can talk about it, you might as well shout about it. Now go ahead and praise God like you already have it, like it's already done. Because you know that it's working for you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and grab your Bible and your tablet, phone. And I want you to go to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And uh, we're going to read verses 15 through 19, John chapter 14, and uh, we're going to read verses 15 through 19. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. And the scripture says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. So look at your neighbor and help me repeat my subject today. Say, neighbor, do you know him? All right, you can be seated. Hallelujah. Do you know him? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this day you've made. We thank you for this opportunity to share your gospel. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth will bring you glory. Pray that ultimately you will be glorified and that the people of God will be edified. Lord, word my mouth. Hallelujah. Allow me to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. 
we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, first I want to thank God for you being here today and uh, thanking God for our pastor and first lady in their absence. Come on, give God some praise for them. We're blessed with some good leaders, good leadership, and, and we know that that's not um, everywhere. So we're thankful, thankful to God. I also want to thank God for uh, my wife and uh, my family. Praise God. Hallelujah. I always say I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for um, my family. And I thank God for, for them. So let's, let's go into the message for today. Most, if not all of us, can think of someone who seems to know everybody, right? Um, we all know that person who, you know, you ask them, hey, do you know such and such? And they say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know them, right? Um, and then later on, you find out that uh, they didn't really know the person, but they knew of the person, right? Uh, they may even have a picture with the person. But if you approach the person and they say, uh, the person who they say they know and mention them, you discover that they know of the person, but they don't know the person. In other words, you realize they know of the person, but they don't have a relationship with the person. Church, I have discovered that many people know of Christ, but many don't know him. So in this text, Jesus, he is, uh, he's preparing to uh, leave um, his disciples, and soon, of course, he will, soon he will ascend um, to, to heaven, but he's letting them know that he is not leaving them alone. He tells his disciples that although he is leaving, that he will remain with them. How do you tell somebody that I'm leaving you, but I'm going to remain with you? He tells them about an advocate who is the spirit of God that will come to guide, to encourage, uh, and intercede for the disciples. This regenerating power remains with them throughout the entirety of their lives. And church, that regenerating power is with you right now. Just like the Holy Spirit remains, uh, remained in them, he remains in those who are in Christ, helping us to live as God wants us to live. So I want to give us some truths from Scripture about the Holy Spirit in case we um, don't quite know about who he is, what he does, and his ministry. So the first thing here, and I want you to write this down, the Holy Spirit will never leave us. When you are in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will never leave us. When you come to Christ, you come to Christ by the Holy Spirit. Right? It, it wasn't a result of um, uh, perhaps somebody just said something that was so good that you decided, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to just give Jesus my heart. It was a result of the Holy Spirit convicting your spirit. The next uh, thing that the scripture tells us about the Holy Spirit is that everybody can't receive him. The 
Holy Spirit doesn't come to every heart. He only comes to the heart that is open to him. The Spirit of God is not going to come in as some robber forcing his way into your heart, but you must welcome him in. The next thing that, that the Holy Spirit does, according to the scripture, the Holy Spirit instructs and convicts. Holy Spirit will often bring the word back to our remembrance and convict our heart of sin, uh, righteousness, and judgment. Next thing that the Holy Spirit does, and I want you to stay with me because we're going to get there. Um, he guides us into truth. Guides us into truth. And he does this by giving us the understanding of him that we are not able to arrive at by knowledge alone. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit helps you to have a more intimate relationship with Jesus because knowledge alone doesn't give us spiritual maturity. So knowing of something doesn't mean that we are doing something or practicing something, right? Prime example, you know, we, we know not to eat certain things but we do eat those things that we know not to eat, right? <laughs> so knowing of is not necessarily knowing, right? So, and, and then the final thing there that the scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit does, the Holy Spirit glorifies Christ. So, so it's important to understand that, understand what the Holy Spirit does and what the Holy Spirit does not do. Right. So the Holy Spirit is not arrogant. The Holy Spirit is not self-exalting, but the Holy Spirit exalts Jesus Christ. So if an interaction, if a thought, if a prophecy, if a word that is given to you does not glorify Jesus Christ, it's highly likely that that is not a result of the Holy Spirit's impartation. Because the Holy Spirit exalts Jesus Christ. Now. Here's something that I want you to jot down about knowing God. Knowing him or the spirit of God results in transformation. Knowing him results in transformation. I don't care what anybody tells you. You can't come in contact with the spirit of God and nothing change. Amen. Our society has made this hard to grasp because we have commercialized the Holy Spirit. Many have boxed him into uh, their own agenda for a personal gain. But we must know that the Spirit of God brings change to our life. Fortunately, the American church has made him more therapeutic than transformative. Jesus didn't send the Holy Spirit for your therapy, but he sent it for his glorification. Let me say that one more time in case somebody need to write that down. Jesus didn't send the Holy Spirit for your therapy, but for his glorification. He sent the Holy Spirit to exalt him on the earth. The Bible says in John 16, uh, 14 through 15, he says, he will glorify me. He will take from mine and will disclose it to you. So the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus Christ. 
He didn't send the Holy Spirit because he is concerned about how high we jump, but he sent the Holy Spirit because he's concerned about how straight we walk when we come down. Jesus didn't send the Holy Spirit for us to be happy or just happy, but for you to be faithful. Jesus didn't send the Holy Spirit for us just to be happy, but for us to be fruitful. We must understand that there are some lasting effects of knowing God. There's some noticeable evidence in our life that testifies of the indwelling of the Spirit of God. And here is my first point. The first of the lasting effects of knowing God, there is spiritual transformation. There is spiritual transformation. When we know him, we have moved from death to life. So when you have the Spirit of God in you, you literally move from the status of being dead to now being alive. John 17 and 3 tells us, it says, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So when you have the spirit of God in you, there is a change in your classification. There is a change in your classification. You have moved from death to life. You now have eternal life. And see, spiritual life is to know God personally, not just knowing about him. Because, see, knowing about him won't keep you. But knowing him will keep you. It's not simply factual knowledge about him, but it's a kind of knowledge regarding him. The life is more than knowing something academically about God, but it is to know by experience who God is. Becoming a Christian means that we share God's life, meaning we share the spirit of God. And the life is more, this life is more than just living forever. The biblical view is that it is a quality of life rather than an endless extension of time. Now, let me warn you about some of uh, the hindrances that often get in the way of continued spiritual transformation. And I want you to write this down. A common hindrance is the temptation to pursue legalism over spirituality. A common hindrance is the temptation to pursue legalism over spirituality where we live in this works-based bubble, right? Where everything about our relationship with God revolves around doing something, and most of that doing is often um, related to pleasing someone else. So we have to be careful about this this legalism. And and oftentimes, we can impose our legalism on someone else. So we have to be careful with that. Galatians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9. Let's go there if you are, uh, if you can, go there for us. Galatians 4, 8 through 9. It says, however, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are not God's. 
But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles to which you want to be enslaved all over again? That's the New American Standard. In these verses, Paul, he is expressing his concern for the Galatians. Before they believed in Christ, most of, the, of these Galatians um, were pagans. They were in bondage to idols of wood and stone. And, and he's telling them now that, that they have come to know the true God, that they are foolish to get in bondage again by trying to keep the Jewish law. These new converts, they, they would be confronted by what's known as Judaizers, who would teach them to conform to Jewish traditions in order to be truly spiritual. So Paul instructs them that by doing so, they are not going forward in their Christian lives, but they're going backwards. Just as the Gentiles, we can be persuaded to confuse legalism with spirituality. Right. So so we'll place um, we'll kind of put God in a box like, oh, you know, I I went to church for the month. Right. And that that's good enough to satisfy this 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 need or what's supposed to be a spiritual need. Right. But we know that our spirituality is much bigger than that. When you have a relationship with somebody it would be very uncomfortable for you if they only talk to you once a week or twice a week, right? You won't stay in it long, right? And the same thing generally happens when it comes to our um, relationship with God. If we reserve one day, two days, um, to spend an hour or two with God, and it's not an ongoing communication. By nature, you find something else. So there is, there is a replacement. Because we know that if we're not worshiping God, you're worshiping something. This is why we have to be careful with connecting with everybody who says that they know him. Because everybody who says that they know him don't know him. They may know of him. Because many only know of him. When you only know of someone, you can only speculate about who they are. Hmm. But when you know them, you can be assured of their words because you have relationship. We can be confident in this spiritual transformation because of the assurance that God gives us when we are in him. When you are in him, your appetite changes. Yes. So now this next lasting effect, and this is point number two, I want you to write this down, is a moral transformation. A moral transformation. Second Corinthians 10 and 5 says, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. First Thessalonians 4 and 3, it says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. 
So Paul understood that in order for the church to grow in maturity, that their mindset has to change. And oftentimes what controls our mindset changing is our company. That's why we have to make sure that we are surrounding ourselves in, in relation to counsel with those who are spirit-filled. You can't listen to everybody. Let me say that again just in case we didn't catch it. You can't listen to everybody. Right? You can't do it. If that person does not have the spirit of God in them, if you are discussing a spiritual matter, you know that that person cannot give you what the spirit says. Hallelujah. So when we bring God's thoughts into our minds repeatedly, his word takes over our viewpoint and our mindset changes from a worldview that accommodates sin to that of a biblical worldview. We know that there's always topics going on in the world, right? People have disagreements. Oh, this is your viewpoint on this. This is my viewpoint on that. But your viewpoint, our viewpoint, has to be in, aligned with the word of God. If that viewpoint is not aligned with the word of God, then we know that that is of the flesh and that's not of the spirit. No matter how good we want to make it sound or somebody else want to make it sound. Hallelujah. This process is crucial to growing into maturity in Christ. So Paul, he goes on further in 1 Thessalonians to discuss the possession of our vessels in honor. Now, before we can do the will of God, we must be willing to do his will no matter what the cost. So that cost often requires a total dedication to God in our mind, in our body, and in our spirit. The Christian who is willing to open himself up to God will unconditionally uh, be the one who God will use. This is the reason God usually uses the least expected. This is usually why God always goes for the one who people believe is least likely for him to use because they have too much to gain and not too much to lose. Some of us, for some, God cannot use because we have too much to lose in our minds. Hallelujah. Bible says in John chapter 7, verse 7 through 7, verse uh, 17, if anyone wants to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. So in so many words, the Holy Spirit empowers us to live a holy life. And I have to say this, we all have our own um, mental thought of what holiness looks like, right? And um, if, if you have, you know, of course, been in church for a long time or you've been uh, exposed to maybe a certain uh, uh, type of uh, teaching or raised, you know, in a certain um, denomination, then you would be convinced that holiness is all about the external, Right? But holiness is about the internal. And what happens on the inside will reflect, usually, on the outside. 
So when we talk about holiness, we are talking about being set apart for God's use. Being set apart for God's use. So we have given liberty. We have been given liberty because the Son has set us free. And the Holy Spirit has empowered us to live victoriously to the glory of God. So moral transformation must accompany spiritual transformation. It must work together because it's possible to be strong-willed yet not be spiritual. Let me say it one more time. It is possible to be strong-willed, but not spiritual. What does that mean? It's possible to say, nope, I'm not going to do that again. And you can do that in your own power from your own will. But it won't be sustained, right? But in order to be spiritual, our strength, our reliance, our dependency is in Jesus Christ. I'm not doing anything of my own will, but it is all on Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When moral and spiritual transformation work together, it leads to a divine testimony. I know somebody in here today, God has given you a testimony because you have been both spiritually and morally transformed. This testimony is not a new house. It's, it's not a new car. It's not a job, right? But it leads to this testimony that only God can give you. And what is that? I was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. You didn't open your own eyes. Jesus did. And of course, we know that this testimony leads to action. And the final effect of knowing him, and I want you to write this down, is you get a boldness to take action. One of the greatest examples of this is Stephen in Acts uh, chapter 6. Stephen, he was a man full of faith and full of the Spirit of God. And he was, he was one of the seven men chosen to tend to the people's needs in Acts. He didn't stop there, but he began to preach the gospel with power. So much power that it brought conviction to the listener. As a result of his boldness, uh, he spoke the truth so powerfully that the people weren't able to cope with it. But he kept on preaching. When you are spiritually transformed, when you are morally transformed, everybody won't agree with you. Let me say that again because somebody need to write that down. When you are spiritually transformed, when you are morally transformed, everybody won't agree with you. So stop trying to get people to agree with you um, when, when they are not uh, filled with the Spirit of God or they are not in that same uh, uh, line or journey as you are. The world will not agree, and that's fine. Everybody won't agree with you, but it will be undeniable that God is with you. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and tell them, God is with me. So stop trying to get everybody to agree with you because if you know him, that's with a capital H, and they don't, they will never be able to cope with it. Your views may seem outdated. You might stand out from the crowd, but I have good news. You are not alone. You are from God. 
you have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Now, this boldness, it empowers you to live life outside of the box of legalism and traditionalism because we are assured that the Lord has guaranteed our victory. For whoever has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is that? Our faith. Do you know him that transforms us? Do you know him that empowers us? Do you know him that transforms the mind and hearts of wicked men to, to, to know and to follow after God? Do you know him, the one who shines bright and scatters darkness? Now, I hope uh, that, that we were able to kind of grasp some of those main points, but I have to let you go now. It's my birthday, and we got to get ready. But listen, <laughs> listen, here is my um, illustration. I want to close this out. Now, a few Sundays ago, um, my son and I, we were riding through the country. We were uh, getting ready to go to a church service, had to um, support my father uh, who was preaching. And for anyone who knows MJ, he is very observant. Uh, he observes everything, details that, that most people just don't look at or even think about, right? So um, he noticed all these details. And so all the way to the service, or rather on the way to the service, I asked him, I said, what do you notice about this area? And uh, he said, well, it seemed like all the houses are far apart. I said, that's a good observation. So I told him what I noticed. I said, well, I noticed that there's no street lights, you know, because, you know, when you're going in the country to a church service, it's toward the evening, you know, you could, you're looking at street lights because just in case you have to drive back at night. So he asked, why would someone stay in a place that gets so dark? So I said to him, the houses are far apart. There's no light on the street, but they have power. Somebody called it. I'm through now. But I want to tell someone that the world we live in is dark. There are not many lights, but we have power because the Lord is our light and our salvation. The Lord is the strength of our life. Of whom shall we be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. If an army encamps against me, my heart will not fear. If war arises against me, in spite of this, I am confident. One thing that I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So I want to talk to somebody. I want to encourage you for a moment. 
someone who may be discouraged because of the darkness in the world, because of the trouble in the economy, because of the trouble on your job, because of issues of war and peace. But I'm telling you, you can testify that as a result of the Holy Spirit, you bring light to darkness because you have power. If you don't have it, I understand why you're sitting down. But because we have power, we know that we are not in this thing alone. That we are not in life alone. Because the Spirit empowers us to walk through life with boldness. Not timidness. Not being afraid. Not worrying about how tomorrow is going to turn out. Because we know that because Christ is on the inside of us, we have power hallelujah, that some can't see because Christ is living inside of me. We can fight any enemy because God and me are is a majority. So let me tell you right now today, perhaps you are discouraged. You came here burdened down. You came here wondering how God was going to work out your situation. Well, let me tell you, you better pull on the strength of the Holy Spirit. I said, pull on the strength of the Holy Spirit because man can't handle it for you. Hallelujah. Your family can't handle it for you. But when you pull on the strength of God, I promise you, he may not move you out of the situation, but he'll change you in the situation. And somebody, you've been waiting on God to change your situation. Let me give you your answer. You better pull on the strength of the Holy Ghost hallelujah and he is available right now where you are and you don't even have to be in church to pull on the strength of the holy ghost you can be in your car you can be in your house you can be walking down the street and when life's burdens get so heavy you can say lord i thank you for your holy ghost i thank you for your spirit i thank you for your power i thank you folks waking up in me Hallelujah. Somebody praise God. Come on, give him some glory. Thank him for the Holy Ghost. Thank him for his spirit in you. Come on, let him do it for you. Thank you, Jesus. See, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. One of the attacks of the enemy is to make us forget about what power we have. And see... This is what normally happens. When we just uh, box the power of the Holy Spirit into perhaps it's church, going to a church service, then the power only works when you're in church. Hallelujah. But let me tell you about the real power of the Holy Spirit. The real power of the Holy Spirit you don't have to be in church. You, you, you don't even have to be near the church. Hallelujah. But when the spirit <laughs> starts working in you, drops a word in you, hallelujah, that power will work wherever you are. And I want to tell somebody right now, if you don't have the Spirit of God in you, that you're in the right place, 
at the right time next to the right person. Hallelujah. Because the Spirit of God wants to be a part of your life if you let him. Hallelujah. I am through. I'm through. I'm through. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Listen. Listen. Perhaps there's someone here today and you are not saved. That means that the Spirit of God is not with you because you're not in relationship with him. I want to let you know that today is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. I want to give you uh, an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ into your life. Perhaps also you are here today and you say, preacher, I have been discouraged in my spirit. Hallelujah. And I need the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, to, to reveal himself to me. Hallelujah. Or perhaps you have been struggling in your relationship with him. Hallelujah. I want to give you a chance to come to the altar and talk to God. Nobody's going to touch you. This is between you and and the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is a wonderful opportunity. Hallelujah. To remember that God is with you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, darkness is in the world, but because of the Holy Spirit, you can shine bright. you haven't been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you say, I want to receive him in my life. Hallelujah. You can come to Thank you. 
thank you for each and every person under the sound of my voice. Dear God, I pray that uh, that you would bless them, that you would give them protection as we go into this week. Father, I pray that you would empower us to be bold witnesses for you. And right now, God, we thank you for what you have done and for what you will do. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let the church say amen. Amen. Now look at somebody and tell a neighbor, if by chance somebody failed to tell you that they love you, let me be the first to tell you, I love you, and there's not a thing you can do about it. Be blessed.